O give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him, sing praises to him. Tell of all his wondrous works. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. Remember the wondrous works that he has done, his miracles and the judgments he uttered. O offspring of Abraham, his servant, children of Jacob, his chosen ones. Those are the first six verses of Psalm 105, the first 22 verses of which are the psalm appointed for today, Thursday, November the 18th, 2021. You're listening to Faith Seeking Understanding, and I'm your host, John Green. Thanks for being along. I'm in, uh, still in the book of the first Maccabees, uh, chapter 4, the first 25 verses, then in Revelation 21, verse 22, through uh, chapter 22, verse 5, and finally, Matthew 18, verses 1 through 9. So remembering the the Israelites have gone up and they have decided that it's time for the battle. Um, they're going against not only the army of Antiochus Epiphanes led by Lysias and Gorgias, but also the Syrian army and others who have arrayed against this band of rebels who are in the land. And so they're led by uh, Judas Maccabeus. So Gorgias, who's the commander of the uh, army that's led ultimately by Lysias uh, on behalf of Antiochus Epiphanes, who is the king, uh, Gorgias took 5,000 infantry and 1,000 picked cavalry out of 47,000 total, and this division moved out by night to fall upon the camp of the Jews and attack them suddenly. So he's taken a, a, a small segment of the total. So it's about what, an, an eighth of the total uh, because they're going to go attack them at night and figure in that, that they'll just catch them in their sleep and this will be over with. Men from the citadel were his guides. So these are people from the, the fortress itself. It's sort of like Judas, essentially, would be the best way to read that. But Judas Maccabeus, Judas, the one I was talking about, was Judas that betrayed Jesus. It's the same kind of thing. But Judas heard of it, and he and his warriors moved out to attack the king's force in Emmaus while the division was still absent from the camp. When Gorgias entered the camp of Judas by night, he found no one there, so he looked for them in the hills because he said, these men are running away from us. So he's come to the wrong conclusion. He thinks they're running away when actually they're, they're going to attack them. At daybreak, Judas appeared in the plain with 3,000 men, but they did not have armor and swords such as they desired. So they were um, woefully unprepared, let's say, to join the battle against this particular army. And they saw the camp of the Gentiles, strong and fortified, with cavalry all around it, and these men were trained in war. But Judas said to those who were with him, Do not fear their numbers or be afraid when they charge. Remember how our ancestors were saved by the Red Sea when Pharaoh with his forces pursued them. And now let us cry to heaven to see whether he will favor us and remember his covenant with our ancestors and crush this army before us today. Then all the Gentiles will know that there is one who redeems and saves Israel. And so he's hearkening back to um, the time when the uh, people of Israel were at the Red Sea and the Lord fought for them there at the Red Sea and defeated Pharaoh and his army. And at that time, the Gentiles knew there was one who redeems and saves Israel. And so this is, uh, he's saying this is basically another chance in front of a different group of Gentiles for the Lord to be known all throughout the world. So when the foreigners looked up and saw them coming against them, they went out from their camp to battle. 
Then the men of Judah blew their trumpets and engaged in battle. Sounds a little bit like the whole Joshua story at that point, doesn't it? The Gentiles were crushed and fled into the plain, and all those in the rear fell by the sword. They pursued them to Gazara and to the plains of Idumea and to Azotus and Jamnia, and 3,000 of them fell. So there, there was only, what, 3,000 men with Judas, and so now we're told that 3,000 of their enemies fall at this time. Then Judas and his force turned back from pursuing them, and he said to the people, Don't be greedy for plunder. There's a battle before us. Gorgias and his force are near us in the hills, but stand now against our enemies and fight them, and afterwards seize the plunder boldly. In other words, he said there's work still to be done. It's not time yet to go and plunder. Don't let yourself be pulled to that side to think about going ahead and doing plunder now because we've still got work to do. Just as Judas was finishing his speech, a detachment appeared coming out of the hills. They saw that their army had been put to flight and that the Jews were burning the camp, for the smoke that was seen showed what had happened. When they perceived this, they were greatly frightened, and when they also saw the army of Judas drawn up in the plain for battle, they all fled into the land of the Philistines, which would be over sort of where... Um, the Decapolis is, so where the land of the Gerasenes was, so it was over on the other side, on the eastern side of the Sea of Galilee, and so they've gone over to the land of the Philistines to get away from Judas and his army. Then Judas returned to plunder the camp, and they seized a great amount of gold and silver, and cloth dyed blue and sea purple and great riches. Now, this cloth dyed purple would have been extremely valuable because it, it was also extremely rare. There was only one place you could get that purple dye. And you remember Lydia, who they meet at Philippi in Paul's missionary journeys, was a dealer in purple. These are It came from this one little gland in, in a shell from something called a murex. Um, and so it was a sea creature, and it was a you can only get a tiny little amount. They they found huge mounds of these murex shells, and that was the whole purpose was to extract this little bit of stuff from one gland that would give you a purple dye. And so it was extravagantly expensive, and only kings typically would have anything that was purple. So on their return, they sang hymns and praises to heaven, quote, for he is good, his mercy endures forever. Thus, Israel had a great deliverance that day. So they were delivered from the, the army of the king, no less than they were when they were delivered from the armies of Pharaoh back in the day, <laughs> in the time of Moses. In the gospel, it's, it's an interesting thing. I mean, this is a question that I can't imagine that I would ever really ask. That the, the disciples come to Jesus and ask, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? I, it's, it's, there's always this desire, right, to be great at some level and to, to want this for yourself. And so he called to them a child, and he put him in the midst of them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you can turn and become like children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like a child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus doesn't say, oh, it's Elijah, it's Moses, it's David, it's whoever you might come up with. He doesn't say any of those names. He takes a random child, and children are not thought to be much of anything of value or importance. I mean, infant mortality was great, and then if you couldn't understand the law— um, until you were of age and, and you had learned the law for yourself, you didn't really have any status to speak of in in society at that time. And so for Jesus to reach out and pull a child in um, and and say that, that this child, whoever humbles himself like this child, is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, what he's saying is, is that, that you've got to become as 
you've got to lay down everything you think you know and understand. You've got to humble yourself to understand and learn from me in order that you can become great. If you would become great, you need to become like this child, humble. And and he does the same thing when he talks about you've got to become like servants of one another, and you'll be the greatest. And so what they might think and what they might assume is Abraham, Moses, Elijah, Joseph, Judah, David, you name it. I mean, anybody that you can think of sort of from the role of honor would have been the one that they would have thought would have been the answer to that question. But Jesus says, no, 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 it's, it's not like that at all. It's something totally different. Greatness in the kingdom of God is not like greatness on earth. He says, whoever receives one such child in my name receives me, but whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it'd be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. And so in our denomination uh, that we were in, the one of the things we had to do was anybody who worked with children had to take a class called Avoiding the Millstone. And it was basically to say, don't be in places alone with children. Don't, you know, don't do certain kinds of behaviors and things like that. And so we live in a day when when it seems like there there's constant fear and, and other uh, realities about people causing children, you know, to, it's just child sexual abuse and things like that. And, and to me, it's just, it's an abomination that I can't even begin to wrap my head around and imagine. And so it, it becomes this thing that I don't understand at all. I've had conversations with detectives and psychologists who have worked with this stuff, and, and they don't really understand it either. But there are certain traits that are that are common to all those who get caught doing this thing, and and to all those who don't get caught as well. Um, but but it's anybody who would do such a thing. I can remember seeing Dennis Miller several years ago. It's a long time ago now, probably twenty years. Um, on on a special that he had at that time on HBO, and he, and there was a, a well known situation that was happening at that time or had happened right about the time that he did this special and and he said I've got a word for you if you are here tonight and you think it would be okay to physically or sexually molest a child there's there's nothing else you can do you have to kill yourself right now and I hear that and I just don't know and understand how anybody could do such a thing and so what we read here is Jesus saying, it, it won't go well for you if you do this kind of thing. Woe to the world for temptations to sin, for it's necessary that temptations come for the strengthening of your faith, faith and the ability to stand in those days of temptation, but woe to the one by whom the temptation comes. And then he goes into the, the, um, the idea that I talked about pretty recently that I believe is connected with an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. He said, you've heard it said that this was the case, but I'm telling you to love your enemies and don't seek vengeance and all that. Well, when he's talking about yourself and sin in your own life, he's exactly the opposite of that. If you listen to the language here, you'll see what I mean by an eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. If your hand or your foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to enter the life, inner life crippled or lame than with two hands or two feet to be thrown into eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It's better for you to enter life with one eye than with two eyes be thrown into the hell of fire. So be careful little eyes what you see, right? So it's, it's be careful little hands what you do, all those kinds of things. And there's truth in that. And we need to be a, a ruthless with sin in our lives is what Jesus said is don't tolerate it. Do not tolerate it. 
Um, we know that sin proceeds from the heart. So it's we, we know that to be the truth, but Jesus is telling you that ruthlessness of an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth is exactly the way you should feel about sin in your life. In the Revelation passage, um, John tells us, I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. So there's no need of a temple because he is present in the land and in the city. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine upon it, for the glory of God gives its light, and its lamp is the Lamb. So the glory of God is the Shekinah glory. It's that light that um, that was first created when God said, let there be light in Jewish theology. That the idea of that is it's a light whereby a person could see from one end of creation to the other, and I don't mean just across the earth, I mean into the heavens, but that's also speaking about across time. And so the, the, the glory of God, the Shekinah glory of God, it, it so fills this city that there, there's a need of a lamp to distill that light and focus that light in order for it to be truly effective. And the, 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 the thing that distills and focuses the light is Jesus, just as he was on earth, as he brings the, the light of God to the earth, and we can see across time and space through him, then he does the same, serves that same function in the heavenly Jerusalem. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring and there will be territories, but not <laughs> problematic issues like we have today. And so so what happens is, is that, that we will all be creative. We will all do things. And that glory, the glory of the things that are, that are being done out there, outside the city, will come into, into Jerusalem. And its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. So they're never shut at all. They will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations coming in and like us going to Jerusalem um, to worship there in the same way the pilgrims did in the days of Jesus. But these are not just Jewish pilgrims. These are pilgrims from all over the world, people like us, the Gentiles. But nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Then the angel showed me the river, the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the trees were for the healing of the nations. And so it's bringing wholeness as this, this river of life flows out from the city and, and as in Ezekiel, it flows out from under the temple, the door of the temple, and flows out into the Arabah, and it brings life wherever it goes, and then flows out into the Mediterranean, and then disperses that life all over the world. That's exactly the way that, that Ezekiel's vision was, and here it's the same. Then the angel showed me—I'm sorry, God started all over again. <laughs> No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no lamp, no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever.
What a glorious vision of the future to which we're called and which we're pointed. There'll be no sin. There'll be no pain. There'll be no dying. There'll be no sickness. There'll be none of that in the kingdom of God. And it's only reserved for those who are willing to humble themselves and become like children before the Lord God and to worship him in all things, to, 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 to acknowledge that I darken counsel without wisdom because I'm made of flesh and blood. And so I look to him for all wisdom and for all things in the same way that Judas Maccabeus encouraged his fellows to look to the Lord for their salvation and for their deliverance. Praise and thanks be to God and to the Lamb.